Welcome to the Entrepreneur's Cafe, where master business coach Erica Ross Krieger and her special guests teach you how to create true entrepreneurial wealth from the inside out. Grab your favorite podcast beverage and get ready for the Entrepreneur's Cafe. Now here's your host, Erica Ross Krieger. Welcome to the cafe, wealthies. Well, grab a cup of something wonderful, sit back, prepare to be inspired, and also be prepared to listen to a long story. So sit back, relax, or if you're working out, you're going to have a good workout while you're listening, or if you're driving, you're going to be able to listen as you drive on quite a journey. I'm going to be focusing on living with the questions today. A lot of us, all of us, are living with lots of questions right now. As we're entering a later phase of the pandemic and things are starting to open up, many of us are questioning things like, what do we do now? And what am I doing with my business? And do I want to gather with people or don't I, vaccinated or not? Do I or don't I? There's just so many questions and so many of us are pushing and pushing for answers. And what I've come to learn in over 30 years, believe it or not, of entrepreneuring and over 60 years of living life is that pushing for those answers just doesn't seem to work. But what does seem to work is being with the questions. What happened that sticks out in my mind with a particular client in this issue was quite a few years ago, I'm going to say way back in 2004, and she was living with a lot of questions in her life at that time. Questions about whether to allow her child to take a year off from school and, and go abroad. Questions about whether to stay in a marriage or not. Questions about whether to take her business to a new level, questions about whether to do a particular investment. And at the end of our coaching session, I left her with uh, an inquiry. And that inquiry was, what do all these questions hold for me? And I told her to go be with that for a week until we met again. It might have been two weeks, actually, that before we met, because I think at that point we were meeting twice a month. And um I didn't want her to push. I just wanted her to be with, what do all those questions hold for me? Well, that question in and of itself took her on quite a journey. And she actually wrote up her response and brought it with her to our next session. I loved it so much. I got her permission and put it into my book, Seven Sacred Attitudes. And it is that story that I'm going to be reading to you today. Now, keep in mind, this was way back in 2004 or five. We were not cell phone savvy like we are. So you're going to probably have questions like, why didn't she just pull out her cell phone at one point? But that wasn't an option then. So just listen to the story and see if you can relate not to what happened to her, but to relate to the metaphor of what happened. So here we go. And the title of the story that um, she gave it and the client's name that I choose to share with you is Wendy. And her story was called While We Were Waiting. So here's what she wrote. A week after I started my new job, my boss, Ted, announced a new project for our computer magazine at our company-wide staff meeting. 
I'll explain the details to the creative team tomorrow, he said. Now, Ted's creative team consists of four people, Pat, the art director, Dirk and Robin, the two senior writers, and as editor, me. The next morning, all five of us, Ted included, headed to the boardroom. As soon as we sat down, a loud metal banging sound began to fill the room. What's making all the racket? Wendy said. A construction crew's been working on the floor above us, Pat said. They were here last week. I guess they're back. Ted stood up. Okay, guys, he said, we're out of here. Let's go down to the conference room on the ground floor. In a heartbeat, we left the boardroom, took an elevator down to the ground floor lobby, and marched into the conference room. Ted closed the door. I silently thank God for the peace and quiet, and the five of us had a great meeting. Afterwards, we headed back to the bank of elevators and waited for a ride to our offices on the sixth floor. When the elevator arrived, all five of us got on board. And so did a bicycle messenger kid who scrambled in behind us just as the doors started to shut. Robin pushed the sixth floor elevator button, still talking about the success of our meeting. The messenger leaned over and pressed button number four. When the doors closed, we observed customary silence and waited for liftoff. But the elevator didn't move. So Ted pushed the sixth floor button again. I guess he thought that another time would help. Nothing happened. The doors remained shut. The elevators stay stuck. Nothing happened. He pushed the button for the doors to open. Nothing happened. And then the lights dimmed. Damn it, Ted said. What's going on? He pressed the red intercom button on the emergency panel. All lines are busy now, a synthetic voice said. Please try again later. Great, Ted said. Now what? I said. Now remember when I'm reading you, I, that's Wendy, right? So now what, Wendy said, beginning to worry. Pat said, I have a cousin who is stuck in an elevator once. He was fine. We just have to wait. You know, Dirk said, I thought I saw one of the construction guys on his walkie-talkie as we went through the lobby. He was probably doing something with the power for the guys up on the sixth floor, Robin said. Ted pressed the intercom button again. The recorded voice answered, all lines are busy now. All the elevators must be out, Ted said. I'll bet that's why the lines are busy. I felt sweat trickle down my forehead. This is Wendy talking. How do we get air? No problem, Pat said. She pointed to the vents at the top of the elevator. My cousin told me elevators aren't airtight. Air circulates through them all the time, just like it does in the rest of a building. The messenger kid stomped his foot and said, Man, if I'm late with this delivery, my boss will shoot me. How long is this going to take? We'll find out, buddy. Just hang tight, Ted said. Sounding surprisingly calmer than he had a moment before, it must have been a fatherly thing. He pressed the intercom button again. This time, a live person spoke. Maintenance, Mike Townsend. Hey, Mike, it's Ted Sweeney from Nuevo Times. We're stuck in an elevator on the ground floor. What's the story? We're on it, Mike said. It seems the construction boys were turning circuit breakers off and on again down here to find which one affected the upstairs crew. One of their off-again, on-again experiments must have done something to the elevator. We called the elevator repair guys, and they're on their way. 
I leaned toward the intercom and asked Mike, what's that mean for us? Just keep waiting. They'll be here, Mike said. How long will these lights stay on? Robin asked. The emergency lights are good for four hours, Mike said, but we'll have you moving way sooner than that. Thanks a lot, Mike, Ted said, but try to make it a lot sooner, okay? He released the intercom button and shook his head. The messenger kid mumbled something and sat down on the floor, shaking his head. Dirk shrugged, joined him, sat on the floor. So did Robin. Good thing it's Blue Jeans Friday, she said. I sighed and said, what the hell? Sat down too. Ted and Pat settled in for the wait by leaning against the railing on the back wall. In the frustrated but resigned silence, not knowing when we'd move, I realized circumstance had just added another unknown to my already unsettled life. And then I remembered the question from my last coaching session with Erica. And that question was, what do all the questions I'm facing hold for me? So a humorous idea entered my mind. I figured being stuck in an elevator was a good time to explore the gifts of the unknown. I laughed aloud and broke the silence. Hey, you guys, I said, in addition to wondering when we're getting out of here, what other questions are you guys living with in your lives? What do you mean, Dirk said. I looked up at him. In other words, what don't you know right now? I sat back against the sidewall. I'll bet finding out what people don't know is a good way of getting to know them better rather than asking them what they do know. Ted chuckled. A social icebreaker in a dead elevator. Now that's one for the record books. Well, the only thing I don't know, the messenger kid said, is why the hell I ever took a break from law school to deliver mail. At least the elevators at Bolt Hall never got stuck over at Berkeley. Well, what questions are you living with? I continued to ask. Well, Pat said, well, we don't know your name. Looking at the messenger kid, that's one thing we don't know. Hank, the kid said, smiling for the first time since he'd walked into the elevator. As we tossed around the question, what don't you know right now? I learned that Ted doesn't know when he's going to do when he retires next year. Robin doesn't know how to play the flute, but wants to learn. And Dirk's wondering if it was such a good idea to send his daughter, a junior in college, to Costa Rica for her fall semester, which made me smile because we were considering very similar questions. After 30 minutes, the lights in the elevator came back to full power, and we could hear the hum of the elevator motor. Ted pressed the intercom button. Mike, are we good to go now? Yes, he said. Turns out it was only a trip circuit breaker. Just hit your floor buttons and you're on your way. Sorry for the wait. Ted pressed buttons four and six. The elevator began to move, and we all cheered. When our messenger friend got off at the fourth floor, Ted said, Bye, Hank. Hank turned around, gave us a half smile, and waved as the elevator doors closed. And then when the rest of us got off on the sixth floor, we headed down the main hallway toward our individual offices, still talking about our little elevator adventure. We came to my office, Wendy said. I stopped outside my door and looked at my boss and colleagues. In the 30 minutes on that elevator, I learned a lot more about you guys by finding out all about the questions that you're living with. In fact, I learned much more about you today than I did the entire week that I've worked here. So then 
what happened, guys, I'm done with reading Wendy's story, is she came back to her coaching session with me. And after telling me about her experience, we were coaching in person back then. Uh, Wendy sat back in her chair and she had a smile on her face. And I said, well, that was pretty amazing story. I'm glad we took some time for it. Thank you for, you know, writing it out. And, and I had read it while she was there. And I said to her, what are you left with now? And I remember that she said, in fact, I even wrote this in the book. Well, I learned that questions are like passports. If you carry them with you, they take you on great adventures to new places. Now, those words were simple. They were wise. And, you know, I, I wrote that down, right? Questions like passports. I used the short time left in this session to help her explore the new chapters that were, were unfolding in her life. And I, you know, we finished up the rest of that session, but I was left with, you know, a, a big aha, which is questions are like passports. And so my inquiry for you today is, what would it be like right now for you to view any questions you're living with as if they were passports? What new territory is a current life question? What new territory is a current life question asking you to explore? I mean, you can go ahead, make a list of all the things you don't know. Make a list of all the questions you're living with. Invite your friends to mull them over, you know, whether it's in, uh, you know, a virtual meeting, a Zoom meeting, on the phone, in person, on a walk. Just be thinking about it. What, what do you learn about each other from sharing about your lists of questions that you're living with? I don't have an answer to a lot of the questions I'm living with right now, but what I realize is we don't get the answers by pushing. We get them by tuning in to our sage, by being with the question, by fully experiencing the moment that we are in, questionful as it may be. And tuning into our sage is not easy if we're listening to the saboteur we call the judge who's telling us we need to push for an answer. So I just want you to be with that. What if questions that you're living with right now are passports? That's it. Okay, wealthies, always remember success is in your nature and true wealth starts from the inside out. And it starts with your sage. All of the info in this episode is going to be in the show notes, including a reminder to email me if you want to be included in my next mastermind called Awaken the Sage. All that will be in the show notes. Okay, podcast team, take us out. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur's Cafe podcast. If you like the show, please rate, recommend, and review us on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts so we can spread the positivity and the love of entrepreneuring from the inside out. Until next time, my friends, listen to your big entrepreneurial heart. Follow your passion, take that inspired action, and be boldly and brilliantly you. You can get more valuable advice and inspiration from Erica's free Entrepreneur's Toolkit over at ericarosscoach.com forward slash toolkit.